Hi, everybody, and welcome to Healthy State of Mind, a series dedicated to educating you on all things wellness and well-being. I'm Dr. Tracy Murray, a clinical psychologist with Ochsner Health, and I am here with my co-host, Caitlin. How are you doing? Hi, Dr. Murray. I'm doing well. How are you? I am wonderful. Guess what we're talking about today? What are we talking about today? It's been a common theme in social media, across the world, trauma, personal Mm -hmm. trauma, that is. What happens to us when we're experiencing something traumatic and after that thing or what we call event happens, where do we go from there? What do you think of when I say the word trauma or personal trauma specifically? Um, when I think of personal trauma, I think of something like um, some type of abuse I think of physical abuse first Mm -hmm. um, or a car accident Mm -hmm. or just some experience, like huge experience that has completely changed your life. Have you been watching the things in social media and how people have used the word trauma basically as slang almost? Yeah, I have. Uh I have. And that's something that I'm hoping we can clarify in today's episode Mm -hmm. just for other people who might be getting misinformation about what Mm -hmm. trauma is Mm -hmm. and if you actually have experienced something traumatic and then what to do if you have. All right. There's quite a large difference between something that's what we say traumatic and just stressful. Mm -hmm. Like when you think of daily stressors moving throughout life, going to work. Yeah, stressful, but not necessarily traumatic unless it's categorized in a certain way, like the, the verbal abuse, the psychological abuse by someone at work. Traffic, not necessarily so, right? Because if it was, oh, that drive was just so traumatic. Yeah. So when we use words, use the word trauma to describe things that are not traumatic, it diminishes the true nature of trauma. And it makes it quite hard for people to even identify and to seek out help for, for things that are truly traumatic. Right. When we think of trauma, we think of changes in the body, right? So we have the biological and physiological response to the event. And I'll go on to talk about what I mean by event. So basically, your body's chemistry can change while a trauma is happening. And it can be chronic trauma, like being in physical abuse for several years, or an acute event, like a car accident or uh, combat or sexual assault. So we have those two classifications. But really, your body's response what goes on in your head, what goes on with your emotions, and what goes on in how you see the world. So things change within how you see yourself, others, and the world. It can alter things for you. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Mm -hmm. I want just to clarify for me, Mm -hmm. when, when we say like the event that takes place, it changes our body's chemistry. It can. It can. Yes. So does that mean like, for example, um, let's say you have been in a relationship of some kind with a long history of abuse. Mm-hmm. Does that, does the altering of the chemistry mean that if you encounter someone else mm-hmm. who is giving you feedback or mm-hmm. maybe resembles the person that abused you, mm-hmm. could you, re- does that mean that you might respond similarly to another person or situation even though that could be safe. Right. That you're speaking of when you have developed PTSD, post-traumatic oh, stress disorder. Okay. Okay. Remember about 
upwards of 80 or more percent of people can experience something traumatic, but only about last time I looked 6% of people go on to develop PTSD. So you're talking about when that exposure to a trauma develops then into a disorder. Got it. It's really natural after experiencing a trauma to feel some type of way. But most people after a few months recover from that. We'll feel some type of way, meaning you might have nightmares, reminders. You might be a little bit edgy. Remember when I talked about the physical, Mm -hmm. you might have thoughts or be reminded of it in some way following a trauma. But most people recover. It's called spontaneous recovery, meaning everything clears up. So normal. So you have a traumatic event. Normal for a few months to experience these cognitive, physiological um thoughts, mood, following that, but most people thereafter recover. Okay. Right? When you don't recover, it's when you go on to develop PTSD. What classifies or historically has classified what a traumatic event is, is there's some sort of actual threatened death, violence, injury of some sort. And that can be in a couple of ways. So we have the quintessential traumatic experience, combat. A lot of our research has come out of investigating people who've gone on to combat. So because it's directly related to violence, threatened or actual death and significant or severe injury. But we have a couple of other ones as well. Not only the physical abuse, like you mentioned, but psychological, verbal and emotional abuse, manipulation or coercion. Mm. Okay. So when we say verbal abuse, it's the words like you're worthless, you're not anything. It's the manipulation, do this or that, and the coercion now, really kind of setting people up. If you think about intimate partner violence, so violence with a partner, an intimate partner, like husband, wife, husband, husband, wife, wife, Mm -hmm. so forth. The coercion is you set yourself up in a place to where you don't have access to people, finances. So they've set you up in this place. Now they can say, look, no, you can't leave me. You have nothing. Right. Right. And that can turn into sexual violence as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So a lot of people don't think about that part when we think about trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a word has come to mind that I just mm-hmm. want to ask you if this can fall into what we're talking about, which yeah. is another buzzword I've noticed on social media that I think might be misconstrued okay is the word gaslighting ah okay so does that fall (laughs) could that fall into a type of psychological trauma there's no professional word for gaslighting okay we don't use that word okay manipulation okay so the term correct me if I'm wrong in uh social media gaslighting is when you are made to felt feel crazy Yes. In a situation like somebody's doing something to either turn it around on you mm-hmm. to make you feel like, is mm-hmm. it me? That's a manipulative tactic is okay. what we call it. So, yes. Okay. That in of itself. But again, we got to be very clear because some people use that word, you're gaslighting me when they're not. Exactly. Yeah. Having a dialogue or challenging someone or not agreeing, having your own opinion not gaslighting Mm -hmm. and I think that's how some people have been using that to say I have this opinion and it's not agreeing with you you're not agreeing with me are you gaslighting me Mm -hmm. no that's not we want to be very careful but again I can't control 
people. I just want to have that. It's not quite the same thing. Okay. So whenever we hear that term, it's manipulation or coercion. It's okay. really the thought that somebody is doing something in such a way that makes you feel like what you're thinking, saying, or feeling is wrong. Mm -hmm. That's quite different than just a disagreement of opinions mm -hmm. or a difference of opinions. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? That makes sense. Yes. And gaslighting is not necessarily in of itself traumatic because like I said it, it it when we think about it in manipulation so we want to get real real clear with that does that make sense people yeah. are using it very I use the word it's bastardized mm -hmm. <laughs> in today's society mm -hmm. and again if you have questions read up on it not google <laughs> yeah the national website for PTSD gives you clear indications about what traumatic events are a couple of other ones that are really important to note or mention is that motor vehicle accidents, like you said, NBCs, NBAs can be, because again, it relates to the a thought of death, violence, or severe injury. Severe injury can be sexual injury, mental injury as well. So mm -hmm. that's what we think about the sex or the, the verbal abuse as well. Mm -hmm. Natural disasters. Hmm. Mm. We know about those here. We know about in those Louisiana. here, yeah. especially when it's kind of a group Natural disasters, kind of everyone is kind of feeling the same thing at every time. But again, upwards of 80% of people do experience that and naturally recover. So you might meet someone who's lived here and lived through Hurricane Katrina. Two people, one person is okay. Another person is not and have gone on to develop things like PTSD, major depression or anxiety related to it. Risk factors for that can depend on various things. So the number of times that you have experienced a trauma can make you more susceptible to it. Meaning not direct equal. You have two traumas, you're going to get PTSD or you're going to do that. Not necessarily. Risk factors, mm -hmm. right? It just makes you more susceptible to it. Um, intensity of the trauma, how long it went on and what happened thereafter. Are some of the risk factors I want to note. Not exhaustive, but the ones that I just want to note here. So if you've had a trauma, let's say sexual trauma, and you were you were raped, you were sexually assaulted, and the events afterwards are not supportive, higher likelihood for you to go on and develop residual effects are harder for you to spontaneously recover. Special Victims Unit does this a lot, right? When they mention all the traumas and, and such. So when we have a period... They've tried to change this up, especially in the city with the New Orleans Center for Family Justice. Right after someone is sexually assaulted or physically assaulted, the way they treat them thereafter. So not interrogation, hmm. right? You know, that was going on for quite some time where police will come in and interrogate the sus the, the victim, mm -hmm. treat him like a suspect, uh, yeah. slip of the tongue right there, sure. ask him questions, not provide support. So they... Uh, society has tried and in mental health have tried to infiltrate right after these things have happened to make it a supportive environment, not one of interrogation. Because what we find is after a trauma, it's very, very delicate time. Mm -hmm. Any trauma, very delicate time. Mm -hmm. And when you're um, likely to recover from any symptoms. Yeah, I was going to ask what a supportive environment would look like to someone right. who has experienced trauma. Non-judgmental, right? It's okay. It's not your fault. Not 
even reliving it. So some even talking about it too much. Like, well, tell me what happened again, again, right. again. Oh, no, you shouldn't do this. You should or shouldn't feel some type of way. You feel what you feel. Right. Right. You feel what you feel. So that is what I would call support. And even not necessarily even seeking out services for PTSD, because remember, that has to have some time passed. But you can seek out supportive therapy to kind of say, this happened to me, help me process it. Mm -hmm. But just support for people who you know, your tribe, your village, essentially, just to mm -hmm. be there for you, to make sure your basic needs are met, mm -hmm. to make sure you're eating, you're grooming, you're getting out of the house and not staying in the symptoms, not sitting with the thoughts, replaying what happened over and over again. Right. And then assuring in the best way, in the most healthy way possible, that you're getting good sleep. I was going to ask, how can we support a friend or a loved one who confides in us a trauma that they're experiencing. And it sounds like you've said, you know, just assure them that they're okay, that they're safe with you. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. They have plenty of options. Mm -hmm. And not to ask questioning that's judgment. Why don't you leave? Yeah. Right? Why do you keep enduring this? Yeah. Right? It's easy. I'll help you. Noticing that a part of physical violence specifically against women and children does involve manipulation and coercion. So if you've sort of trained somebody's mind to believe that they can't leave, to believe that this is it, you telling them that they can is judgmental because mm -hmm. you're not hearing me and what I'm saying that I believe this. So you're judging me for that. So it's to say, here are your options. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah. There is a way out if you are ready to choose that. Now, not why. You see how that line of questioning is different? I well, do. why don't you leave? There are a lot of things out there. Instead, say, there are many things that you can do. Let me know when you're ready. And I'm here for you to help you. I feel like that's a really important thing that you just shared. And that is something that I have, I don't know if I have truly considered that before, that someone who is experiencing trauma has a certain way that they think about their situation or their life and maybe they have been manipulated into believing certain things and so therefore that is their truth and their reality and it is our job as the support to show up in their reality and say that it is okay and I'm here when you're ready let me show you a different side not judge what you are seeing what you're perceiving here is another side yeah there was that whole phenomena. Uh, remember that blue dress, gold dress thing way yeah, back in the I day, do. right? People were like, no, I see blue. No, you're not crazy. I see yellow. Yeah. So it's saying, hey, I understand that you see blue. Understand that there's also people that see yellow. Mm -hmm. So that is perspective taking to say, hey, I know this is hard for you and it feels like you're trapped. Know that there are ways that I can help or so-and-so can help when you're ready to. Mm -hmm. Some people aren't ready. Some people don't feel confidence. They feel helpless. Right. But when they are, when they're encouraging, and when they're on the cusp of wanting to seek out help, they're more likely to get help when you haven't judged them. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, why don't you do this? You think they're going to come to you when they're ready? Right. If you're saying that? No. Yeah. They're going to come to you when they say, well, all right, it's time. She told me this and that and that, and she supported. Let me see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Not asking them, why don't you leave? Not questioning. I, oh, no. That's just <laughs> like mm -hmm. when people, when I've talked about when people have sexual trauma, how historically 
following sexual trauma and sexual violence against women and children thereafter has been very volatile for them. So even to ask a person, well, why didn't you say something then? It's tricky, tricky. Why are you just now reporting it? Given that all will be talked about, I hope it makes better sense why people don't say things. Mm -hmm. Because if you're sexually assaulted, historically, you go to the emergency room and people are treated that way. Why would you want to report it? Right. Because you're made to feel judged, ashamed, and then with no support and encouragement. There wasn't at, at one point any resources besides a rape kit. Now you have to, I mean, it's necessary to do that, mm -hmm. but there's not, there was historically not very much follow-up to say now that we've done this or even giving an option, you really going to report them the questioning, mm -hmm. right? So that space thereafter, that trauma, we got needs to ask ourselves who would want to endure that? Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. I think the way that we, respond to people who have experienced trauma holistically mm -hmm. our response support words of encouragement or just being careful with our language yeah. i think just kind of going back to the reason why we mentioned social media at the top of the episode is that when we use words like trauma incorrectly and when we try to identify perhaps with something that Maybe we haven't necessarily experienced. You mentioned traffic earlier. I would say sitting in traffic is it's not traumatic. It's, it's stressful. <clears throat> it's stressful. But not you have no fear of death or fear of violence or injury or mm -hmm. feeling like you have no way out in terms of coercion. It's right. stressful, but it's not traumatic. Right. And I think that when the large majority of people who are misusing words in many ways that invalidates those who have a lived experience. And it diminishes what it means to want to report, what it means to want to seek out help, what it means to even treatment, right? Right. If you have a stressful experience in traffic, you're calling it traumatic and you have PTSD from it, what are we gonna talk about? Mm -hmm. The PTSD treatment is for an event. So it, mm -hmm. it won't even, so we even need to know as professionals what you mean by that. Right? Right. So if you get nothing else out of today is I want you to be supportive of anyone who's had a traumatic experience or talks of it and be very careful about what you label. People see trauma today as a badge of honor. Like everyone wants to have trauma. Everyone wants to do that. But what it really means to a person who has a traumatic event it's not fun. Mm -hmm. It's not a badge for some people. It's very difficult and yeah. very, and very. We have great treatments, but it's not fun talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you experience a trauma, it can lead to different things. Like I said, the period from an event or from the end of a chronic event, you can feel something in that space. We call that acute stress disorder or acute stress it's when things have changed you may not sleep well all these things but most people after a couple of months recover from that when you don't it can lead to things like post-traumatic stress disorder only about six percent of people like i said who've had a traumatic experience go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder so that number is very small mm -hmm. so even though a lot of people have experienced trauma 
how we classify trauma clinically, only a small number of those. So that tells me that people have a lot of growth. Again, that this word resilience has been bastardized as well. Mm -hmm. People have a lot of skills and reserve to be able to come back. So that keep that in mind that that's that's hopeful, Mm -hmm. right? So how can you tell when trauma is impacting your life? When we use this word in, in practice called clinically significantly impacting your life, right? So that means your way of viewing life has altered. You might not be able to function like you need to. You're often triggered quite a bit. Again, trigger, bastardize. Mm-hmm. The word triggered relates directly to re-experiencing a traumatic event that's happened to you. Not, I'm triggered because you upset me. Mm-hmm. That's quite different, mm-hmm. right? So when a trigger is a reminder, that can be a thought, a feeling, something out in the world, um, someone telling you something, an image that reminds you of the traumatic event again, right? So triggers, if you're triggered and highly, highly upset by that. A lot of people can note changes in their sleep patterns, how they move about the day, inability to work. So that might let you know to come in and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Might not even be PTSD, but just enough to say, get, go ahead and get checked out. When you feel like the way you move through the world is not the same as before this thing or these things happen. Okay. Does that make sense? That does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when also we talked about the symptoms of what post-traumatic stress disorder is. So let's say you have a trauma, the period to spontaneously recover or to improve doesn't happen for you. And it's constant there. Six months or so has gone by, a year has gone by, and you're still feeling that off feeling. What we classify as post-traumatic distress disorder is into a couple of clusters. Not exhaustive, but I'll try to hit the high points here, right? It's actually having a trauma that we clinically define. Okay. Right? So we can stick with um, natural disasters, right? We experience that's quite common for us in this region. Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Ida, mm-hmm. to name the biggest ones. Avoidance is a cluster. So not only are you having this thing, you're trying to actively, in your awareness or out of your awareness, not deal with anything that is associated with said trauma. That can be internal and external. The quintessential thing is, oh yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. Right? That That's the thing. Nope, don't bring it up. Can't talk about mm-hmm. it. But you might even want to avoid your own internal thoughts. You might want to avoid um, driving down the street where your house once was for the hurricane. You might want to avoid watching the weather channel. Mm-hmm. All these things that remind you of the things you're trying to avoid. And it can be internal and external. Your own thoughts or things around you. The reminders or the intrusive thoughts, the re-experiencing symptoms. So what we call that is quintessential is flashbacks. Not everybody has flashbacks, though. You have to have, you can have multiple in a category. So thought comes up, a reminder comes up, a memory comes up actively or inact or out of your awareness, push it away. Mm-hmm. Right? You're having nightmares. And you may experience flashbacks to name a couple in that section. Another one is negative thoughts or cognitions and mood. That's another cluster. Some people find that their view of themselves, other people, and the world changes. 
For example, if we're sticking to sexual trauma, right? View of yourself is I'm ashamed. I shouldn't have worn that skirt, mm. right? So that's the thoughts. What did I do to, did I do something to warrant this? Yeah. Feelings is guilt, shame, embarrassment that's associated with that, that are negative. Some people may also have mood where they, they can't quite feel positive emotions anymore, no matter what's going on. So happy celebration and they feel muted that makes sense mm -hmm. like they feel they may feel happy but it's not to the degree that matches appropriately they may win the lottery and they're like good mm -hmm. oh you what yeah <laughs> right so again about others distrust of people not wanting to be around others and then the world the world is bad Society is wrong. So all these kind of alterations. And then we have the arousal symptoms. So some people, again, quintessential, the exaggerated startle response, right? You Jumpy, mm -hmm. edgy. Some people might use drugs, high risk taking and all that. Again, these things are not exhaustive. And do some of those symptoms sound like other things? Mm -hmm. How? It sounds like everything that we're talking about, I'm thinking like rumination. Mm -hmm. It sounds like... Anxiety. Yep. Um, yep. Or depression with or the negative depression. mood. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover here. So that's why when you self-diagnose, it's not it may not be very effective. Mm -hmm. Because thinking up historically, PTSD is an anxiety disorder. Yeah. So classifying the difference between it might be quite difficult for you to do. Mm -hmm. So if nothing else, if you're questioning it, seek out help. Right. So all of these symptoms, all of these things that we've talked about today, I just really want to leave you with a couple of things. One, if you're actively experiencing what we classify as trauma now, know that there are things to help. Treatments work very effectively. Cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, and there's even some acceptance and commitment therapy for, for, for trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. These things work. When you're ready. Yeah. Right. I can't gauge readiness until I see you. <laughs> and we have a great program at Auction Help through the Beep Clinic for post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. It's the brief intervention clinic. But when you're ready and it might not be now, but seek out help. You might want to just get stressed. Like I have trauma and I know I experienced it. I've been diagnosed with PTSD, but I'm just not quite ready. You can start with some basic skills, meditation skills. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you know someone that's experiencing what we clinically classify as trauma, just be a healthy support, non-judgmental, and just being there when they're ready and encouraging them that they there are treatments that do work. Okay. okay. Speaking of meditation, we're now ready for our brief mindfulness moment. So one of the things that in the trauma world and the post-traumatic stress world is some people feel not grounded to where they are here. Like if you're having re-experiencing symptom, you're caught in the thoughts. Mm. If you're having a flashback, you're caught in that space. If you're in a really negative mood state, you're caught. So how do we bring you back? It's called a grounding meditation. Um, so how we prepare for any of our meditation is just on crossing your legs and sitting back. Grounding is really what it is to ground you to this moment. You can pick a lot of different things, parts of the body. Your body is always with you. So even simply 
just noticing different things about your body from head to toe is grounding. Okay. Okay. So just take a few deep breaths in. And just noticing the sound of my voice in this space. Maybe picking out some nuances in my voice to bring you to this external environment. Perhaps noticing your feet on the floor where it meets the inside of your shoe and where your shoe touches the floor being here. Notice your body seated in this chair. Your back against the chair, your thighs hitting the seat, your hands on the armrest. Taking a breath in. Noticing how different your body feels when you're inhaling and exhaling. Maybe counting your breathing if that soothes you. And then finding a place in your body that you may have never paid attention to. Your earlobes. Man, how do you know you have earlobes without touching them? They're there. But can you feel them? Search for them. And then opening your eyes slowly and taking in the space around you. Picking out three things that you see. Microphone, table, cue card. Just to bring yourself back to the space very quickly. Just ground you. There are various types of grounding. That's just the one I wanted to introduce. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you, Dr. Murray. This was a really important episode. Of course. Not exhaustive. We could talk for hours. Yeah. But just a brief capture of what it is. Again, I'm Dr. Tracy Murray, and this is the Healthy State of Mind series dedicated to educate, at least in part, on all things wellness and well-being. The importance of this trauma episode, I cannot impress upon you out there in the world. If you're experiencing trauma, just know that there are resources and we are in a non-judgmental space whenever you're ready to pursue it. If you think you might have some sort of trauma symptoms or PTSD symptoms, please seek out the resources listed below. And again, this series does not serve as a professional therapeutic relationship. It's merely to provide education, awareness, and to get resources for these dynamics that we discuss. Thank you.